It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. Connacht have been beaten and soundly beaten. And as far as I'm concerned, the scoreline is reflective of the game. Really? Connacht 19, Ulster 32. Alan Deegan, hello. Hi, Rob. Enough said. William Davis, hello. Good evening. Here's my list of Ulster players who didn't play well today. Jack McGrath, Rob Herring, Adam McBurney, Sam Carter, Ian Henderson, Sean Reedy, Marcel Coetzea, Billy Burns, Stuart McCluskey, Luke Marshall, uh, Jacob Stockdale, Robert Bellacone, Rob Little, Will Addison, Louis Luddick. That's my list. None of them play well today because none of them played. And they've still come here and beaten Connacht well. Yes, they have. Um... That's some thunder in the background. And it's not a metaphor. I think they uh, they had came with a point to prove. They were very disappointed with their performance in Europe. They felt they should have won both of those games. They sh- they could have and should have and probably should now have ten points in Europe instead of three. Uh, they're unbeaten in the Pro 14, and they haven't won an away into Pro in five years. The last time they won one was here in Galway. They haven't won one anywhere since, and they brought that sense of grievance with them and they turned it on in the second half and Connacht just weren't weren't good enough they, they didn't want it enough they weren't tough enough they couldn't win the collision areas and the penalties given away and they just set up for an Ulster side that I suppose has, has played well in the Pro 14 all season and is unbeaten and they wanted to keep that record and they were ecstatic when we could hear the singing coming out of the dressing room at the end of the game. Dan McFarland's just done a press conference. We'll hear some of that later. And uh, they are very pleased. Yeah, one of the first things I looked at was, OK, hopefully Connacht have won the toss here because you know they'll, they'll know to play against the mild breeze that was there in the first half because it's going to get up in the second half. But um, turns out, no, they didn't know about it. Now, to me that's not good enough uh, that was one of the key factors because Connacht completely dominated the first half stats were off the charts 14 points to 9 Ian Madigan's goal kicking he warmed up by kicking into both goals which is very rare he went down into the Connacht half the field in terms of where Connacht were warming up and must have asked permission we think or maybe he didn't but the main point is it was ballsy it was a bit different it was an all round ballsy performance from Ian Madigan there's just something about the way he plays when he's in that zone that he's just massively entertaining as a rugby player and uh, yeah Ulster fans are going to love him this evening because he's delivered for them he certainly did it's definitely the best game I've ever seen him play in the sports ground um, the same with Jordy Murphy best game I've seen him play in the sports ground and I was very impressed with James Hume the, the centre because he would relatively quiet in the first half because they didn't have much ball but wow was he good in the second half what a what, I've been hearing about you know, I've been talking about James Hume for a while now in Ulster but I hadn't seen much of him but yeah saw him tonight <laughs> Tackling and hard work, yeah. and 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 just just his general his general knowledge of the game seemed to be very good. He was the one who managed to win the penalty here, right in front of us, yeah, on this made, side of the pitch. They made one mistake in the second half. Stuart Moore kicked, uh, just not thinking with the wind and just belted the ball. that went so far, I think it landed on College Road. So that was a mistake, and it gave Connick the platform. And boy, did Connick punish him. So that kind of just shows you how good it was because they respected Connick so much from the outset to kick their goals, and they respected Connick to keep them in because they knew if they didn't, they'd get conceded tries. Connick proved that with a great try from Don Haley, but Connick didn't get one more look until right at the end when they had two bonus points in their hands, five metres out, and lo and behold, the line-out malfunction. So yeah great control and it just kind of follows on your point like they just knew what they were doing there's that and, and they kick penalties it's, it's something that seems to have gone out of the game in recent times and Connacht had a chance to kick a penalty in the first half and didn't do it and then lost the line out um, you know when you've got opportunities to kick points kick them yeah. especially away from home 
And Munster did that, didn't they, away from, uh, to Claremont a week ago, and that helped them stay in the game for long enough to win the game. All right, before we hear from Andy Friend and from Dan McFarlane, let's just stick with the two coaches this week in terms of our audio, uh, and of course, your brilliant in-game coverage. I just want to finish on this point in the opening section. William, I'm interested. We're defenders of Dan McFarlane because he is one of our own. I think we can still say well, what a warrior he was and what a player in the management team, uh, what a part he played in the management teams of different coaching setups as well. So my point is this. It is baffling to think that he's getting so much criticism when they've gone eight from eight. They've lost all those players that are listed at the start and here they are winning in Connacht. I know, I know they've got to do well in Europe. They have to. And they blew a couple of games, but it was tight games. And they've backed it up this they backed up their argument this week by getting back on track. Yeah, they have done. Uh, obviously, they've also had the news this week that Marcel Kutsia, their star player, is leaving early. Um, Dan McFarlane's answer to that when he was asked was, will he play again this season? He just said yes. That was the end of the comment. I think they're very annoyed about that. Um, I honestly don't think a lot of rugby fans in Ulster care about the Pro 14, really. It's about Europe. It's about the fact that they got to a final in 2012 and they haven't got close since. And they're still smarting about those two defeats. But all the team can do is go out and play the way they did this evening, get the result, and um, they did it. They came here like men on a mission and they succeeded. They, they won this game comfortably. Right, before we hear from Dan McFarland and the despondent Andy Friend, let's have a snippet or two from the game itself. The score now is Connacht 7, Ulster 6. Try from Jack Carty. Very decent drive, Jack Carty, but a terrible, terrible decision there by Connacht. Let the ball bounce on the kickoff, and it's an attacking line out now for, for Ulster. It's been that sort of game, it's a bit scrappy. Two early penalties for Ulster, but uh, Connacht worked through a few scrums, got three penalties from five metre scrums. Might have been looking for the referee to get the uh, yellow. Well, he did get a yellow card out. You might have been looking for the penalty try, but Connacht well back in this now, but that was a poor effort at the restart. OK, half-time score. Connacht have got a second try. John Porch this time, uh, 14 points to nine. Yeah, 14-9, two decent tries. Some good rugby in between a lot of stops and starts. Uh, it's got very messy in the scrum. Ref hasn't really had control of that. Connacht will be happy enough. Didn't maybe convert a couple of other half chances that they've had. Ulster haven't brought very much to the table except a really good defence. They seem to be well on top of what some of our moves. Um, so opportunity at half time to change it up but so far so good for Connacht it is indeed next score is going to be huge ok William that's been a disastrous first 20 minutes of the second half uh, Connacht are now losing 14 points to 23 two tries from Ulster dreadful stuff yeah Ulster have been very impressive uh, came out fired up and have uh, completely dominated these 20 minutes it's worth noting they haven't won an away into provincial since they won here five years ago and that's against anybody and it was referenced at their press conference during the week and uh, there was obviously some blunt words said at half-time to them. They've looked a different team. Connacht are on the back foot, uh, unsure of themselves. They've got a little toehold in the Ulster half now and they need a score very quickly. Final score, Connacht 19, Ulster 32. Heck of a beating, really. Yeah, game of two halves. Second half was all Ulster. Uh, they owned it from the kick-off and scored two tries kind of came back in but they were beaten up and they were a bit predictable and Ulster just wanted this more and on the night they turned their they turned their field position and possession into points when they needed to kind of gave away far too many penalties 
and Ian Madigan was uh, very good with the boot and just overall that was a that was a serious beating it certainly was the half time we we could hear the end of their half time speech in here in the in the clan stand we could hear Dan McFarland really going for it and you know I walked down just to see what it was and you could hear they were really fired up when they came out in the second half at half time they hadn't beaten a single player by with 10 minutes left they'd beaten 10 and with those beatings they scored the, the tries they needed along with Madigan's boot really finished us off yeah they did uh, look they came here unbeaten uh, this season and I know they'd lost two games in Europe they would argue that there were two games they should have won at least one of those games yeah. and they should probably have won both of them but they didn't they came you know they got a, picked up a couple of bonus points they came with a point to prove they haven't won in this ground since 2015 they haven't won in a way in the provincial since that game in 2015 uh, they've marked both of those off the record books now and Connacht have to just go and regroup very quickly because Leinster await next uh, Saturday night at the RDS it doesn't get any easier. We, we, we were comfortable with where we were at half-time. Like we were obviously like to have not, not conceded two tries in the first half, but you know we knew that the conditions were going to get worse as the game went on, um, and that, that, that if we were able to control the territory in the, in the, in the second half and, and you know, squeeze, squeeze them without making errors, then we, we, we would score points. We were capable of that. I thought the first 40 minutes, uh, I thought we were the dominant team there. Probably didn't get some of the rewards I felt were, were due our way, but uh, we went into the sheds half-time feeling pretty pretty comfortable, confident, but we didn't turn up in the second half. It's an 80-minute game of football, and I take nothing away from Ulster. I thought they were fantastic in the second half and just squeezed us. When we won the toss and we decided to run that way, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. If, we, if we'd known, we might have changed, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to blame the conditions or anything else. It's... Um, when you look at some that, those tries, like I just thought they were soft, and, and then and then the score pushed out to fourteen or to nine, sorry, and then they got another penalty out to twelve, and you know I suppose the most frustrating thing is we're here at, at the sports ground. You know I, I I haven't seen, you know very rarely see Connor out in thirds at the sports ground, and that's two twice now that's happened this year. So we need to have a look at that. We would like to thank all our patrons for their support in helping keeping the podcast going. If you would like to help ensure that we can keep providing the most comprehensive coverage of Connacht Rugby, you can do so by logging on to patreon.com slash craggyrugby and for less than the price of a cup or a pint a month, hit the join button. You can also spread the word about our podcast to anyone with even the faintest interest in Connacht Rugby and asking them to have a listen. You can let us know what you think of our coverage by contacting us on our Twitter handle at craggyrugbypod or by sending an email to craggyrugby at gmail.com. You can go to craggyrugby.com to listen to our back catalogue of over 300 episodes that cover the last five plus seasons of the highs and lows of not only the Connacht men's professional team and the Eagles, but also the exploits of the Connacht women's team in the Interpros. Remember, you can listen to us on your favourite podcast player by asking Alexa or Siri to play a Craggy Rugby podcast, or you can now even get us on YouTube. Just search for Craggy Rugby. Welcome back to the beautiful sports ground. I say that because, you know, even in these low times when you lose a rugby game, I just want to do the usual, isn't it great to be watching a bit of rugby? It's great that it's on. That's our starting point in every podcast this year. I don't care what anyone says, even if things get worse for Connacht. On a wet, windy, horrible night in Galway. God, I can't wait until this place is full again. 
Oh, crikey, yeah, yeah, definitely missing the fans. Missing, I think the, the fans could have helped a lot tonight. Um, and Yaki tried to represent all 8,000 there uh, when he went behind the Ulster bench in the second half to try and lift some noise. Yeah, I thought that was funny because they were a little bit vocal in the first half and our bench was kind of quiet. So Bundy decided to move from that end of the, the, the clan stand to this end of the clan stand. There was three or four guys with him, but it was definitely Bundy who was doing the majority of the shouting. Um, but unfortunately, he couldn't, he couldn't inspire them enough. Um, we needed his leadership on the field, not off the field. That was something. Having said that, the two centres I thought played, played quite well. But there definitely appeared to be a lack of, a lack of leadership in general on, on the field. It just didn't seem to be a focal point that we've seen in the last couple of weeks when Paul Boyle was out there and seemed to just grow into the role of, of the leader of the team. And the guys seemed to be quite happy for, to defer to him. Um, it was one thing I, I just didn't notice Jared talking to the ref an awful lot tonight whereas I had noticed Paul Boiler doing it now when you go back and look at it on TV you definitely see it when you're standing on the, the terrace you're, you're sort of if you notice the, play, the coach or the if you notice the captain talking to the, to the ref you know he's doing his job but I just didn't see it tonight Another thing I didn't see William was I didn't see any huddle underneath the post when we just needed the rugby equivalent of a, a basketball timeout if you like or something like that I just didn't get that sense that someone said come on let's bring this together it's just an extension of Alan's point really Yeah it looked a bit shapeless and it looked at times a bit individualistic players trying things They wanted it but they couldn't figure it out yeah, and you've got to remember that. Look, they were nine nine nil down. Then they got back to a fourteen nine lead. Then, uh, you know, they did get a good try in the second half, which they didn't convert. But they were still well in the game at that stage. But they then didn't seem to have enough shape or purpose to what they were at the bench brought very little this time and I think that's something we haven't seen in the last couple of weeks and the game just eased away and Madigan just got the opportunities to kick goals and he took them. So when you say that got the try, 23 points to 19 when that try went in without the conversion went to 26-19 so it's a 7 point game, subs are on the pitch, line out after a penalty just inside the Ulster half to field, a crooked throw first of a couple of those and I think they were key junctures, are you going to kick on or are you not and if you're not going to find your man in the line probably won't work out yeah, the bouncers didn't bounce this week. They bounced the last couple of weeks and they definitely didn't do it this week. Um, as I say, it's just... Again, I'd, I'd still come back to the, to the decision not to play, not to know about the win. So you mentioned this off the top. We heard it in the press conference. Just just quickly sum up exactly what you're saying. What I'm saying is if, if you're playing a game of rugby and you're chasing it and you're playing into a gale force wind, you don't have many options. <laughs> Whereas if you've got and the you other said, way around... You said looking at... Uh, you felt looking at the forecast yourself, you had seen that this was going to pick up. Oh, absolutely. I was, you know, to me, it was, it was a fairly straightforward thing. If you, if you win the toss tonight, you play, with, you play against the wind in the first half because you know it's going to pick up in the second half. The forecasts have got so good here. And I think Dan knew about it. He didn't even need a forecast. He just knew. Dan is the sort of guy, because he's played here, he's managed here so, so much that he, know, he knows about this. But the difference it makes is that when you're playing against that wind, you don't have a kicking option. When you don't have a kicking option, it's easy to defend. You had 13 or 14 men in the line because there was no way Connacht were going to kick because the ball wasn't going to go far enough. You did say, uh, in, or Dan McFarren did say that, yeah, they expected it to pick up. So look, that's, that's a bone of contention and it's certainly a feeling, yet another decision that just hasn't been made in the right direction, I guess, from a conic perspective in these last few weeks. And little decisions are leading to big moments that are costing them games. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible that that made a major contribution, but there's also the, the lack of accuracy on the actual game plan. And 
I suppose the 9-10 access didn't go particularly well for Connacht tonight I know Jack Cardy scored a try and kicked two fine conversions but I don't think he has as good performances he would have liked particularly in ball distribution Caelan Blade just didn't maybe hit the heights either and potentially we could have seen Kieran Marmion a bit earlier uh, players you know they're, they're not machines they can't play 100% every week but I thought th- that that made it a bit difficult for them and they didn't get go forward ball either and that's the issue again that came up last week particularly against Bristol we get bullied by these sides but I'm not sure that you should be bullied as much as you were by that Ulster side tonight because you've just listed off the players that are missing but their attitude is I suppose they've picked it they've gone into their squad they were hurt by what happened in Europe and they've turned that to their advantage and they've come out of here with five points while William was talking you heard another blast of thunder I feel the metaphor is almost overwhelming here we're under the eye of a storm and Connacht are in the midst of a storm but is this crisis I I would be saying you want to keep perspective here it's literally the only one of seven games that Connacht would have been expected to win now they've lost it which is a killer but at the same time you know in the past Connacht had gone through these dips under Andy Friend and there's seven fixtures after Europe that are going to be more favourable all bar one one trip to Munster and you know there's still lots of rugby to be done. there is but they won't matter you know the whole the whole thing is that you know first you sound of all, like Stephen first yeah you want to well you want to you, you, know, you want to go out and win all your home games Andy Friend talked at the start of the season he wanted to win 90% of his home games that's, that's completely and utterly blown away now absolutely gone it's just not happening and it doesn't look as though I'm not I'm not sure when we're going to win our next home game because I can't see us beating Munster the way we're playing at the moment Rassing, uh, that should be an easy one. And then, and then Rassing, and then we don't know exactly who's still to come because the we've got this new Rainbow Cup thing coming up, and we've got to finish this league before then, and we have to have be in the top three to be in Europe for next season in the Champions Cup for next season. And the two results last night went against us, and now this result's gone very badly against us. So we're not in as comfortable position as we'd want to be in. So there's still a lot to play for, but a lot, a lot of worry that. Yeah we might not make it I share your worry and that's my I was kind of building towards that point like in and of itself it's just a defeat in one tough enough game that you probably should have won but it does seem to fit a bigger picture that there's something not as good as last year about this current setup. and we know there's a hell of a lot of disruption but Connick just seemed to be 5-10% off last season yeah I think they are I think every team has been disrupted um you know, they're going to have seven seven games to play. They win those seven games, they're going to finish in the top three. So that's the only way they can look at it. They're not going to finish top of the, of, of the, the conference, as far as I can see. There's only, one, there's only a final this year. We'll talk about this midweek in more detail, but go on in it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's just this final has been set up. But there's still plenty of opportunities for them. They'll play a lot of those games when sides are going to be missing significant numbers of internationals because uh, they're just going to keep playing through the Six Nations. Um, we have two outstanding fixtures and the five others, by the way. Yeah we, yeah, we have two to play. Other teams have three to play, four to play. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's mad stuff. So they're not all going to get played. And at some stage, you might lose a game that'll have to go to a decision. Sorry, who had hailstones in the weather bingo? Just strike it off there. Yeah, well, this, uh, Dan McFarland was adamant during the week that the game would be played in hailstones and a gale. He, didn't, he really does do his weather. Yeah. He's like Alan. He didn't quite get the hailstones, but he got the wind. Um, yeah, this has got proper nasty. Actually, the game would have been much more interesting if it had been played in this. Um, Madigan would probably still have kicked all his goals. But that's all they can do. They, they, look, they have two very difficult games. Leinster away is almost an impossibility. 
they won't see it that way, but it is. Then they've got Munster at home. They've got two European games that probably don't mean an awful lot. Um, so you've got to decide how you're going to work around those. And then you've almost got to start the third part of the season. And you've got seven Pro 14 games to be played to get you to your 16-game season to see where you finish. In terms of... Um, the only thing they're playing for now is a top three place to get into the Champions Cup next season. Controversial point coming up here. Connacht absolutely have to push all hell for Leder, Alan. All hell for Leder for the Champions Cup. They want to win as many games as played. You go into every competition, try win it. Dave Finn, we completely believe in what you're saying. I'm allowed to have my opinion, though, and I just wonder at this stage if it really matters whether we get into Champions Cup next year because if the group isn't going to win these kind of games, maybe the group needs to regroup in a Challenge Cup scenario. Possibly, possibly. Maybe, maybe what I can do for the midweek podcast is, is go back and look at our performances in the Pro 14 yes. and in the pros, especially during seasons where we've been in the Champions Cup because I believe we struggle quite badly because we just don't have the squad depth. It's, it's growing, it's definitely getting better, but it's still not there yet. Yeah, that's the point, William. Like this group of players. All right, Ulster missing all those players. This group is pretty much the same group that have just gone to Paris and then taken on Bristol the Challenge Cup winner. If you want to persuade players to come here, you need to be playing in the Champions Cup. And the IRFU will tell you that pretty bluntly. If you want to get guys to come down from other academies who mightn't be getting a go, if that's how you need to, to fill your squad, then you need to be playing in that yeah. top competition. If you want to be playing in the Champions Cup properly, you've got to develop something over a course of time that makes you a Champions Cup team. Right now, they don't look like a Champions Cup team. And I think the best way they're going to become a Champions Cup team is almost regroup. And it could well be. I don't want to be in the Challenge Cup. I don't want to be in the Challenge Cup for the exact reason you've just highlighted, William. But at the same time, I think it's like a chicken and egg. One thing has to come first before you become the other. And right now, they don't really look like a Champions Cup side. They look like a really honest, hard-working side. William, I'll come back to you in a second. Alan, first. I'm more interested in winning Interpros at this stage and certainly Interpros at home. I, like you, you can't be taken seriously by the rest of the media that one of the reasons this podcast has existed because the, the, the Irish media tends to ignore Connacht and games are tonight like tonight are the reason why yeah, we understand they ignore us on the weekend like this yeah so start to talk. you have to start winning these to me you start with these games yes. like we can't go anywhere in the Pro 14 until we're winning our home inter-pro matches and the biggest problem in signing players usually is players from the other provinces who aren't sure whether it's worth coming down here and I have a feeling they look at these fixtures and these results and that is what scares them away more than the Champions Cup William feel free to come back and defend your point we haven't won inter-provincials for years we won a few there back in the championship winning under Kieran Kane we won three yeah. <laughs> there's a stat I've nearly fallen over here yeah look it's a fair point um, but Essentially, if you're not in the Champions Cup, you're not at the races. And that's, that's what it boils down to, in my, in my view. You've got to aim for that, because it's, it's, something that, it's the only thing that's left in what remains of the Pro 14 season, 14 season for them to focus on. Can they get there? Yes, I think they can. If they can um, I think they'll need to play as many games as they can. I think that's going to be the key issue. If games, any games that are cancelled after now or postponed, I can't see them being replayed because you just don't have enough time to play them. So eventually you are going to get games where you're told, well, actually... Well, if they go the way the Europeans have gone, whoever pulls out, it'll be 28 nil. So you'll pick up five free points and that would be uh, maybe quite handy in a couple of occasions. That's what we're clinging to here, folks. Final thoughts from Alan. Yeah, this, this weather just matches my thoughts and feelings at this moment in time. The metaphor is overwhelming me, I have to say. I, I, I can I barely find the words. Trapped in a storm. 
Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal, and that's that's how I feel. And I, I need to go back and watch it and see yeah, what have I missed. Details, yeah, yeah, because yeah, we don't have a big screen. It's the other thing, because like, like, there's no fans, there's no big screen. So yes, I bring my laptop and we can sort of look at bits and pieces of the the game as we go along. But it's not quite the same as having a screen to be able to look at certain things that are going on. And I, I just need to go back and look and see. Have I been too harsh on them? I don't know. Scoreline doesn't doesn't argue with me. Happy Christmas to all the Connacht ground staff, Dave Holland and all his crew doing an amazing job. Pitch really held up well in tough conditions. And just a random shout out to the guys who do the TV for you. You sit at home in the comfort of your home. These lads arrived at the sports ground, I heard today, at 10am. And there's two of them out there in rain gear just rolling up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metres of cable at nearly 11 o'clock on a Sunday evening. I'm forgetting what day it is. Nearly said Saturday. Anyways, enough of that. William, final thoughts. Disappointing night. Um, they're going to have to really look very, very hard at what went wrong there. Uh, they're going to have to be very honest about it. And they're going to have to face up next Saturday in the RDS against Leinster, who are, I think, a better, much better side than Ulster. But maybe that'll be their opportunity to go out and... and show what they can do because I don't think they've done it in the last three games yeah I just want to go back to something something trivial but I have to do it I have to apologise I have to apologise to John Port for betting on him the, the previous five, four games in the last two I didn't bet him he scored tries because I was convinced he was going to score so yeah I had to apologise to him for stopping his scoring streak earlier in the season and I won't bet on him anymore alright that's it from us not a good day for Connacht we're kind of just keeping a balance. You have lots of podcasts when it comes to Craggy Rugby Around Connick, so we have time to think these things through over the course of our podcast and not go, oh, woe is us. But right now, let's just call it what it is. 2020 is finishing on a bit of a bum note. Let's hope 2021 brings a better start from a Connick perspective. The RDS next. I'll say this, final talk for me. I just wonder if Leinster aren't exactly as fiery as they normally are. I'm just throwing that out there. So they just look great against Northampton. That's all I've got. Cling to that, folks. Yeah. We may finish within 25 points of them. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.